Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What's happening, Packer fans? Welcome back to an all-new co-branded Packaday podcast along with the Acme Packing Company. I am Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I'm joined by the one and only Justice Mosqueda. You can follow him on Twitter and social media at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Justice, no victory Monday. I don't know what we want to call it today. Uh, bizarro, we don't know what a backwards lateral is uh, Monday. Uh, but uh, a bizarre game, a competitive game. What were your takeaways and how the heck are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Um, my takeaway is mostly on the offensive side of the ball, right? Which, you know, not surprising considering how the run defense played, but yeah, um, progress, a step forward. I mean, I feel, I don't know how you feel about it, but I've been saying, you know, I feel better coming out of this game about the Packers future than I did the Rams game, even though the Rams game was a win, um, yep. you know, similar points scored on the offensive side, but you know, Jordan Love almost threw for 300 yards in this one, you know, would have been the first time in almost two years. The team's thrown for 300 yards. Um, I, I've figured out how I framed my mindset because I, I was looking at your comments after last week and it was a whole lot of like, you know, I don't understand how he fans like this, things like that. The The way I'm thinking about this team, and we've mentioned this before where, you know, we're, we're, how it looks is going to matter, right? Like that's more important than the win-loss record and all that stuff. What I care about is the team being in a position to win a Super Bowl in 2025. And that's really what it's about for me. Um, and this feels like a step toward that. When, you know, you look at the Rams game, and sure, they won that ball game, but, like, they weren't playing an NFL quarterback. The guy got yep. released almost immediately after the game. Um, so, yeah, thumbs up from me on at least the offensive side of the ball. We are in a 1,000% lockstep with that. I don't think 2025 is trending quite in the direction yet that I would like it to be trending to. I think we're, I'm from, I'm closer to like, uh, we might be looking 2026, but I'm still not willing to abandon 2025 quite yet. Um, and yeah, I'm looking for progress and signs of life and signs of things that are repeatable. I think the thing that I was at least happy with coming out of this game was some of the stuff that I saw that I wanted to see repeated that happened against the Rams game. I saw a lot of some similar things, at least against the Steelers and the fact that they did have some, a little bit more time to pass the ball, that they were able to hit some of the stuff down the field. Run blocking wasn't great, but there was a couple bigger, obviously the AJ Dillon one was the big one, but there were a couple moments here and there that made you go, okay. Um, it, it's at least having, there's a little bit more proof of what you're hoping to see. Um, I don't think anyone's again, hanging any banners or super excited, um, not hitting the, the 20 point mark. They left a lot of points out on the field. They need to be much better in the red zone. They still need to run the ball better. They got to figure out a way. I know everyone's been talking about it, but to get Christian Watson and some of these guys playing with a little bit more confidence and a little bit just better. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I thought that this was a, a positive step in the right direction for the offense on the other side of the ball and on special teams, maybe not quite so much. And I would like there to be a game where we see all three phases play competent football at the same time. That would give me a little bit more happiness as well, but I'll take what I can get in. Uh, you can hang this banner up. This was the the best I felt after a loss 2023 award for the green Bay Packers. <laughs> I I think, I mean, at least for the Packers offense, this was their best game, right? I think that's probably true. 
I mean, I guess maybe the the Bears game, but the Bears are like week if one. We want to talk so about weird. Brett Rippin not being a real quarterback. The Bears in that game did not have a real defense. Yeah, yeah. Also, week one is just the weird. The yep. Like we got to throw those out. You know. No, I totally agree. And yeah, we're again we're in lockstep. I think this was probably their most. Because again, you would just wish there was a little bit more point production that came with it, and because they had the yardage to do it. This was a very similar. Um, you know, sort of game that you had against the Rams where you had a ton of yardage, you controlled the ball, you had a couple of bizarro mistakes that kind of took you out of your rhythm and didn't get the point production that you should have. But you could see, again, the proof that they can move the ball, get in the opposing territory. They just have to finish drives a little bit better. If they did, we're probably talking about back-to-back 28-point weeks against a pretty good Steelers defense. And again, TJ Watt and Aaron Donald in back-to-back weeks, which um, again, even though those Rams defense not great, you'll still take it um, in the NFL if you can put that type of point production up. Yeah. And the, just a bunch of weird things kind of set green Bay back, right? Like the miss PAT puts you in a position where you kicked it, kicked a field goal at the end of the game. That last drive, we talked about it um, on our pod uh, after the game, you know, the Aaron Jones play that Matt LaFleur brought up where, you know, you're burning 20 seconds off a of play clock because you didn't get out of bounds. That costs you probably two plays. Um yep. You know, if, if you're being efficient about it from, you know, taking a shot into the end zone type of perspective. Um, so you get those plus there were what three interceptions that were almost caught. Like you had three interception opportunities and then the lateral on top of that. So like they had opportunities. I'm not feeling terrible at, at three and six, if they're going to lose games like this, like I just want to see them be competitive against actual NFL teams and, show me some sort of sign that like these guys are still going to be, these guys are worth development because they're, they're improving and they look like they're going to be starters for the foreseeable future. Right. Yeah. A little bit more proof of concept. And like I said, last week, this, these past two weeks combined have been far more what I expected out of this team this year. Some really fun flashes. You can see what they're trying to accomplish you can see Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave and some of these guys coming up with big plays. You can see at times when, you know, um, again, some, some success in the running game and see the defense is going to be up and down and still have some of the same flaws that it's always had be competitive in two consecutive games. Like this is what I much more expected. And I'm with you. Um, I, and I've said all season long, I'm not, I don't really care what the win loss record is for the most part. You don't, I don't think they you know want to end three, four wins on the season, but I just want to see really good competitive football trending in the right direction, hopefully playing their best football at the end of the year. They've got probably five teams to do it against in the end of the year after this, this next stretch. That's what's going to be really interesting to me. If they can go four and one in those last five. And again, we can talk about whether or not that's good or bad from a draft position standpoint and everything like that, but at least, or at least be just really competitive and look much better in those. Um, that will give me some some hope and confidence moving into next year. All you need is competent offense. Like I think from like a job security standpoint, right? Matt LaFleur, this is a thumbs up. This is actually a good thing, right? Like, okay, there were a couple dumb plays. You ended up losing a close game, like, but you're showing proof of concept and that's all that really matters at this point. Like the, the question isn't like, is the Packer like, are the Packers going to be good enough to make the playoffs this year? That was never what this was about because of yep. the cap situation and just all the turnover. It's just, is Matt the guy that you want to lead this rebuild? And this was that this is a win in that column, right? So. Totally agreed. Totally, totally agreed. 
Uh, let's talk about the wide receiver room. It's been a favorite topic of ours a little bit. You had a great stat, I think, that you posted on over on Twitter. Um, I don't know if you have that up or not, but uh, they've got four interesting wide receivers. It's pretty clear that, well, A, Samori Toure has fallen out of favor. He has been inactive. And B, Malik Heath is maybe going to get a handful of snaps here or there, probably primarily on rundowns. But it, this is a four wide receiver team right now. Um, they didn't play Ben Sims at all at tight end this week, which I don't know if, what to make of that. But uh, this is basically a Luke Musgrave-led tight end room where you're going to see some Tucker Craft sprinkled in as well. But as far as the wide receiver depth chart goes, you've seen lately a little bit more success out of Dontavian Wicks and out of Jaden Reed than you have out of Romeo Dobbs and, and Christian Watson. Your thoughts on the current wide receiver depth chart and how they need to utilize specifically those four wide receivers. Man, I, well, one, I want to say, you know, the Ben Sims thing, DeGuar has also been kind of like phased out of the offense entirely, yep. too, which is interesting. Um, I would feed Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks as many snaps as it'll take me, and I want to figure out where that road goes. So the stat you're referencing, I calculated by hand because I couldn't figure out uh, what place had tar- you know, season-long target numbers and stuff like that by the yep. end of last night. Um, so this is sorted by adjusted yards per target. So adjusted yards, if you want to look it up N, uh, a N Y a, um, you Google that you could like NFL, whatever, at the end of that, you'll find a bunch of stuff where, uh, that stat, which is usually used as a quarterback stat, right. Um, yep. correlates to wins at a much higher rate than like passer rating or completion percentage or any of these raw stats too. Right. So from adjusted target perspective, uh, Reed is getting 10 adjusted yards per target. Wicks is getting 9.6. Dobbs is at 5.6. And Christian Watson is at 0.9. And you're probably wondering, like, why 0.9? This also takes into account for touchdowns and interceptions. Um, five interceptions have been thrown on targets to Christian Watson, which is one reason why it's so low, on top of the fact that, you know, he's getting playing time and he only has, what, 200 and 36 yards, which is less than Wicks at this point. It's behind Dobbs, behind Reed, it's behind Musgrave. Um, after watching the film, I kind of wonder how much that hamstring is still bothering Christian Watson. Uh, so I don't know how much of that you want to extra- extrapolate forward. Um, he's not winning deep in the same ways that we really saw him win deep previously. And yep. he wasn't really a guy who had much outside of big body wins deep, you know what I mean? In his tank. So I don't know what you do. Um, or if this is just, you know, they're using him kind of as, you know, an 80% Christian Watson as kind of a, a decoy, but I don't think teams are respecting it at this point. So I don't know what the value is there. I would, you know, if he is banged up, I'd almost rather see him, you know, take some breathers in the next couple of weeks and then come back full force. Cause I don't know if that guy being limited really brings much to the table to you. Um, Obviously, you know, when he's healthy and he can zoom by guys, that obviously has value. But in 80% Watson, which is what I think we're seeing on the field, um, not sure what that brings to the table. Well, there's one of two things, right? He's either something's wrong with the hamstring where he can't get up to full gear or he's just not running full force on some of the routes, which seems weird. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily the latter, but it, it is weird because you'll see him and it, 
it just looks slower than what you're used to for Christian Watson. It doesn't look anywhere near the explosive dynamic player. And again, I think sometimes, and I've, I've talked about this numerous times before, you, it's so easy to forget about like the injury report and some of the guy, things that guys are, are fighting and you see them in the game and you're just assuming, oh, like they're playing, they're going to be the same player that we always expect them to be and don't really account for some of the stuff that could be potentially bothering them. I'm sure Christian's probably not 100% right now, um, but like you said, maybe even more reason to scale back some of that and give some of those extra snaps to Dontavian Wicks and Jaden Reed, who I think are really starting to come into their own and starting to become really interesting targets within this offense. And I'm with you. I want to see more. I, I don't, I still don't know if I have a great answer as to how much I want to see, you know, how you split up the snaps between the four, but I'm getting much closer to being like, just even it out and figure out the rest and like, let them go. And, and, and whoever rises to the top rises to the top. Cause I'm not, I'm not sold that any of these guys should be one and any of these guys should be four, but um, I, I just really kind of want to see it equal and see how it kind of plays out through the remainder of the season and, and going into next year. Yeah. Two points here. The injury thing. If you guys want examples of that, you know, previous couple weeks of Jair, I understand he didn't play this last week, but like he clearly was playing banged up and he didn't look like the Jair that he was. And then, Last season, we didn't know Devondre Campbell was still dealing with that knee issue, um, yep. you know, until he came. What was it? He had some sort of stretch and then ended up coming back after midseason. Um, and yeah, that that was one where it was like, OK, this guy doesn't look right. What the heck happened? And, you know, lo and behold, like he's injured. So I, I think we're seeing a banged up Watson. Um, so take some of those numbers and stuff, you know, with a grain of salt. But now the answer moving forward is like, okay, so then what, what do we do with this guy then? I don't know that I have a great answer. I do think, I do think, it, I don't know, maybe it needs to evolve in a little bit more. Man, If he gets to the point where he's back to his explosiveness, I think you might need to manufacture things a little bit more because the 50, 50 stuff is obviously not working the way right. that you need it to. And we have seen him on some jet sweeps, some end around some quick passes that he's been able to explode and, and even take those to the house. So I'd like to see a little bit more creativity there, but um, if he's not at hundred percent, then it becomes a lot more difficult. And I'm more with you of like, all right, then let Wicks and Dobbs and, um, and Reed do more of the heavy lifting and, and maybe ease his snap load a little bit. Yeah. And I think, you know, Reed is kind of the unsung hero, right? Because, I you know, agree. we, I think everyone's been talking about Wicks at this point, right? We do it every week. We had it like, first. Though. We had it first. I'd like to be clear. We were first and then everyone's caught up. We planted the flag. Yes. Um, but Reed, I mean, Reed is the guy who not only is he being efficient, he's being efficient to scale, right? Like he's playing every single snap in the slot um, that the team or you know, for the most part, um, 45 targets. Like he, he's doing what Wicks is doing from an efficiency standpoint with twice the amount of volume. So I think yeah. that's a big thumbs up. I mean, I, I, I think that pick's going to end up turning out pretty good. And it's not like uh the Steelers didn't know who he was like Mike Tomlin this past week said that he was the most complete slot receiver in the last year's draft. And, you know, he's, he still ended up getting, what was it? 84 yards and a touchdown on him. So yep. pretty good. Are we, are we transitioning to a Jaden Reed fan club uh, podcast or we didn't, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. I'm just kidding. We're still, we're still on Dante and Wicks. He's doing uh, pretty good. Like I said, feed Reed, feed Wicks, see, see how far they can take you is, 
what my mentality would be at this point. Like limit test, do it. Yeah. There needs to be a little bit more of that overall of just testing some things out and seeing what people, what they can handle. Um, and I'm sure we maybe will talk about a little bit more of that as well, but uh, put these guys in some situations and just see, because again, that's, you kind of have a little bit of a, and I know it's hard for head coaches like to think this way because your job is like kind of constantly being evaluated and Matt probably needs a couple wins here or there. So I, I get it. And I understand it, but like, man, if you, if you do have that job security and you're feeling confident in that, it'd be so nice to just like Aaron and Aaron Nagler and I talked about this earlier today. We had differing opinions. He thought Green Bay should have gone for it at the end of the first half when it was second and 15. Um, I was more of like, I think there's more bad that can happen on second and 15 on your own 15 yard line in that situation than there is good. But I agree with him to the extent of if you are confident in your job security and you feel good about it, then like, why the heck not? Like let the offense go and, and just rip the ball a little bit. And if, you know, whatever happens happens, but like put those guys in that situation and see if they respond to it. And if they don't, all right, no big deal that we learn from it, but I don't know. I, I do think there could be a little bit more of that, of just experimenting with some things and trying some things out. Yeah, for sure. The, the one thing that I don't know about the wide receiver position is, so if you kind of look at how the draft shakes out, right, and it's early, and I haven't even done all the work there, but like, okay, right. top three guys are probably going to end up being Marvin Harrison Jr. and the two quarterbacks. After the two quarterbacks, we don't know if another one's going to go in the first round, maybe a Bo Nix or something like that ends up going. Um. The Packers, you know, are probably looking at the tackle market, but like, would they look at receiver? Would they go after a guy like Keon Coleman? Um, if they do draft Keon Coleman, who falls down to wide receiver five, right? Like those are kind of the questions I have moving forward. I'm not sure if they have uh, real solid answers there. Cause like, what if it's Dontavian Wicks moves to wide receiver five? Does that solve anything? I don't know if that's a good use of, uh, you know, of assets if, you know, the, the more efficient players are going to be playing less because you spent more draft capital on younger guys. Like, does that fix this team in any sort of way? I don't know. I think this defense needs more first round picks. Justice is what we are coming to the conclusion of. But um, the, the uh, one the one safety who's a first rounder. Well, I guess uh, what's his name, Dijon or whatever the the Iowa kid who's a corner and safety. I guess. Okay. Um, Cameron Kitchens, the only true safety in the first round for Miami, had a rough one against Florida State this past weekend. So not a great sign. Yeah, there's a lot of that going around with some of the top players. I th- here's my gut reaction without watching anyone besides a little bit of Marvin Harrison so far. I think Green Bay is Marvin Harrison Jr. or bust is a first round wide receiver destination. I think if they I think if Marvin Harrison's on the board, they would take him because he's Marvin Harrison Jr. and they would recognize the upside there. I think if it's anyone else. I think they will go in a different direction because I think they, to your point, I think moving one of your four guys, you already have the wide receiver five and just taking another one. Um, I don't, I think that's kind of, for me, wide receiver is like one of the least of my worries of this overall team at the moment. It's not to say they don't need a one or couldn't get better, but I, I have a lot of faith still in the top four wide receivers on this team, along with Luke Musgrave that they have enough pass catching options overall. Um, And if they can protect Jordan, I'm I, I like I said, I, that's the least of my worries. But if you have a Marvin Harrison that falls to you, then yeah, by all means, or if you're at that point where you can draft him, by all means do it because he's that good. But I think that's where I'm at right now. Again, without watching anyone besides Marvin Harrison Jr. Let's take that for one. Right, uh, Jordan Love, I want to just talk to you really quick. The deep ball looked better this week. 
anything that you noticed different? Was this just a grip it and rip it? Was just just a, it was bound to come back the other way at some point and hit some of those balls or, or anything that you caught on to this week? Um, I mean, he looked really confident throwing yeah. the ball. I mean, the, you know, percentage wise, he didn't do anything crazy, but um, did, you know, have some more success in the deep game. That is one way you could kind of take advantage of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's always kind of been the case with them is like, if you can block them up, then you can take advantage of that secondary, especially with Minka out right now and stuff like yep. that. Um, so it's just more along those lines, but he did a lot of the things that you were excited about him doing in the preseason, right? Like the whole, you know, he's unconscious in the pocket. Like he's going to make throws late. Um, you know, in, in the play and all that stuff. Like the comparison to me was always Geno Smith, right? And you know, if you could get him to be Geno Smith, that's a good sign on that contract. Um, sure. and I think that's what we ended up seeing in this game. I don't think you're gonna see a whole lot of that against the Chargers. The Chargers, I think that game's gonna be a whole lot more of like what the Rams did, just because that's what they do on the defensive side. It's you know, split high safety defenses, like they want to keep an umbrella over the top, all that stuff. So I don't think this week is going to be a shot play week. Like the Steelers was the opportunity to have kind of a get right game on those deep shots. No, I'm with you. I think they're going to have to be uh, probably a very similar offensive game plan to what they did against the Rams. I think probably a little bit more this week than what we saw against Pittsburgh. Still like the, that he, like you said, had the confidence, didn't see quite as much air under the ball, actually overthrew uh, Romeo Dobbs on a ball, which I was almost a little bit giddy for. I'm like, oh yeah, he overthrew it. I like that. That's that's a lot better than underthrowing it. Um, but yeah, I, it just felt like he had a little bit more confidence throwing it, which uh, I thought was a step in the right direction, direction as well. Uh, let's move to the defensive side of the ball before then I move all over the place. Uh, run defense was clearly abysmal this week. We were kind of wondering if going against Madison and, and Akers and Henderson and Freeman for two weeks was a little bit of fool's gold. It turns out that it very much was. And when Pittsburgh blocked things up better this week, Green Bay had no answer for it. Um, takeaways from the run defense. And I also want to get your thoughts on Matt LaFleur's comments about two defensive linemen. If you saw those in the press conference as well, because I have some thoughts on that as well. Yeah. Shout out to Willie for asking that question. Um, just general thoughts about the run defense. I don't think the defensive line, if we're going to call them all defensive linemen, um, got very many penetration plays in the game. No. And that came both, you know, in run defense and in the past, you know, in the pass rush. Um, think you could have made a little bit more of a fool out of Kenny Pickett if a guy's, you know, if guys won a couple more pass rushing opportunities in that game. Kenny Pickett, I think he had like three passes beyond five yards that were completed and they were all toward the sideline. Like you have yeah. backup corners and they're not trying to test you at all. And maybe that was part of the game plan, right? Um, but one thing I would propose to you guys, right? Like I explained that Preston Smith and coverage Devontae Adams play, right? Yep. And how that didn't work and why the width of that formation caused it some problems, right? But that play in isolation isn't bad because there are opportunities where if a team is in more condensed sets, you can kind of take advantage with some five-man rushes, right? Yep. And play that blitz coverage. Didn't see a whole lot of that in Green Bay. Um, or, you know, for Green Bay's defense in this game. I think they could have played more penny fronts, which is 
uh, from a defensive back standpoint, you know, from a personnel perspective, they're nickel, right? But yep. in the box, they're basically playing the three, four minus one of the inside linebackers. And it's not like McDuffie was killing anybody in this game. So you probably could have nope. pulled him off anyway. Um, I think the nickel defense that they present uh, kind of invited inside run. And that's why you saw, you know, Pittsburgh just like it was a weird game because Green Bay is scared of getting burned at corner. Right. Pittsburgh is lining up in these super condensed formations where these wide receivers are functionally being used as tight ends and their tight end is functionally an offensive line. Offensive tackle. Right. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And so green Bay is just kind of inviting inside run and they're like, we'll just rally to the ball with our safeties and our box and we'll handle it. And Pittsburgh doesn't want to throw the ball at all. So they're just like, okay, we will then, just run inside run if you want to invite it. And it just turned into these long sustained drives. Like I know the running backs had, you know, it was like 200 yards rushing or whatever it was, but it's not like they, none of them had the AJ Dillon run. Like it no. wasn't like 200 yards and you got 50 of them on one play. Like it's just long sustained drives. And I think that is what could have, like you could have changed it up. You've played Penny before. This was the time to play Penny just jam in bodies on the inside, make picket throw against these blitz coverages. He didn't seem to be any sort of interested in pushing the ball down the field, taking advantage of you that way. And it just seemed like the Packers weren't interested. I don't know if that's because of the injuries because of the defensive backs. If that's because, you know, Koi wasn't out there to be able to play that penny inside linebacker. I don't know if it's because you didn't want to play that many defensive linemen on a snap to snap basis when Clark is probably playing through an injury. I don't know if it's because you've gotten burned by that penny front or five man front, you know, whatever sort of five man rush, um, you know, for the first half of the season. And you say, hey, we're better at nickel stuff like this matchup i think demanded uh more of those opportunities and i didn't see it and that was kind of disappointing if if there's anything negative that i take away from this game it's definitely that yeah same and even to the extent of matt today mentioned of like hey after the you know first few drives we got better on run defense up until the last drive well it's like those other drives mattered a lot um but in a lot of those other drives where they had success it was almost as simple as just dropping the safety into the box more like the, on those first couple drives, it was so many six man boxes. And in one case, even a five man box and you you were just completely outnumbered. And like you said, inviting inside run and what I would deem is like inviting, you know, four five, six yard gains and Pittsburgh took advantage of it early. And then they, a lot of times they dropped that extra safety in the box later and it still wasn't perfect. And there were still too many missed tackles and things like that, but it, the numbers evened out a little bit more and you just had more success with it. And just the fact that it took them so long to get to that point And you allowed so much point production to Pittsburgh early in that game. That, that to me was more concerning. Like you said, they, the, the Steelers didn't really have any interest in throwing a ton. It didn't seem like, and you knew you kind of had to go into that game making Kenny Pickett beat you. I'm not saying like you're willing to allow a bunch of explosives, but I just think there had to have been a better solution and a better plan B that they could have got to sooner than what they did and before they allowed 17 points pretty quickly. Yeah, I do wonder, because like Joe Barry, we always talk about Joe Barry in the context of like that Fangio coaching tree, right, where they're going to play all this sort of match quarter stuff. Um, 
Barry really is like the Rod Marinelli tree who then adapted some of that Fangio stuff to his play calling more than anything. But I'm not sure this Fangio defense works without dominant defensive linemen. Like in the same way that we kind of learned the wrong lessons about the Seahawks defense and we saw eradicated league. I mean, no one other than Gus Bradley is running it like that anymore. Um, Everyone looked at the Seahawks defense and they're like, oh, long corners. You just need long corners. We'll just do that. And it's like, no, dude, they had four pass rushers that they weren't paying at all that were able to tee off on any down. And they had a guy, you know, like Michael Bennett, who was able to play on the interior and get a bunch of pressure. Right. Yeah. The Rams and the Fangio stuff. It's like, yeah, that's cool when Aaron Donald is playing three tech. Right. But in games like this, where it's like no one's getting penetration becomes a little bit of a problem and maybe you know college teams call it you know stunt the front is really what it is and you know you're just trying to spill stuff to the edge because you know you're you are inviting inside run by alignment so you're just trying to like mess up those combo blocks and stuff like that get get something spilled to the edge and then hopefully your inside backers and your safeties can rally to the ball um that's not a position where the packers are great right now you know because of all the injuries and stuff like that the other thing too i thought campbell had a pretty bad game there are a couple times that he's supposed to play over some of these blocks and make some of those tackles in the run game, and he just ends up behind a wall of, of blocks, and they don't even really have to use an offensive lineman on him because his foot speed you know, didn't allow him to get over top of you know, a defensive lineman in his lap or whatever it may be. So that, that's one uh, position where I was like, oh, that's not great. He's had a very, very, very quiet year, Devondre Campbell. Um yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that as well. I didn't think he had a great game in this one. I didn't think McDuffie had a great game either. Not many people had a great yeah. game uh, in this one. Defensively is probably the easier way to say that. Uh, your thoughts, though, quickly on the uh, the Lafleur two defensive line or two down lineman comment from Wildy? Uh I get what he means. Yeah, kind of seemed like I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it irked him so much. I mean, the team lists him as defensive lineman. I mean, I would call outside linebackers edge rushers because I come from the draft world, right? I come from yep. the player evaluation world where you're trying to slate players in, in that way. But, um, yeah, I get what he means, but I, I, I don't know. I don't think Wilde seemed like a bozo for asking that question. I don't know why Matt got so mad <laughs> about that. Like, he, no one thinks that you only put two guys on the line of scrimmage <laughs> entirely, Matt. Like no, no one thought that. So that's what I, that's what it was like bizarre to me. It, it felt like very much of like a legitimate question to ask is uh, basically Wildy saying is like, is there enough? I mean, what, what Wildy was asking was why didn't you run Penny? Right. He just yeah. didn't have, I don't want to put words in Wildy's mouth, but like he, he didn't have the tools to ask that question. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. So like, I don't know. It wasn't that's a dumb thing, question. Like Matt, Matt understood. I think Matt understood the question of like what's being. If not, he probably. Should. It felt like like a weird semantics argument to make of like. Well, we have. Saying, I don't know why it, why it came out like that. Like no, I don't either. And that's the thing. It's like everyone knows you have two guys on the edge. If you want to call them defensive linemen, that's fine. And no, no one's again like you said. Nobody's thinking of like. Oh, they've got two defensive linemen and like nine defensive backs. And what's going on? What, what's going on here? Like, I, there was there was just such a weird thing. Um, 
but yeah, whatever. Uh, I don't think anyone exposed themselves uh, as he was pointing out to be like, oh, you're just, if you only think there's two defensive linemen, that's fine. If you want to call the edge players defensive or down linemen, whatever you want to call them, I don't really care. We, it's more of a numbers game of like, do you have enough bodies inside? Do you have enough numbers in the box to match up? And I, he finally got to the thing later of like, listen, I get it. If we allow 200 yards on the ground, we've had a bad day at the office and everything needs to be rev- like, perfect. All right. We got there eventually. Um, now, I don't know. It was just a weird semantics argument. Also, if they would have tagged Rashawn Gary, they would have tagged him as an outside linebacker, not a defensive end. So, yeah. <laughs> and they, they, I think that doesn't even matter. It was just such a weird, weird series of events. All right. I want to ask you a couple quick ones and then we'll get out of here. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Aaron Jones first. This pains me to ask, but I think it at least deserves to be asked. And you can just tell me to shut up. And if I'm an idiot, that's fine too. Uh, is Are we seeing the very kind of first signs of Aaron Jones decline? And what I mean by that, what, that sounds like a really, really harsh thing. And I don't mean it necessarily in that way. Um, I just think when you start reaching this age as a running back, you see a little bit of wearing down, which we've seen Jones have some injuries this year. We see maybe not quite the explosiveness. I thought there was the play where they drew it up beautifully on the third and three where love hits him. And it's, he's basically ra- racing to the sidelines with a linebacker. I think it was Landon Roberts. And if he wins that foot race, it's a touchdown for Jones and Roberts is able to catch up with them and kind of trip him up. Um, yeah, it was two yards per care. I don't put much of that on Aaron. I thought the run blocking didn't do him any favors in this one. I just, just out of curiosity, are we seeing a little bit of a step back from Aaron so far this year? Or again, am I just an idiot? Um, I would be willing to give him a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. You know, as far as the squeaky wheels go, like I'm least worried about Aaron Jones not being able to perform compared to anyone. I know statistically he is dropping. I'm looking at the stats right now. Um, He usually is around like 4.7 to 5.5 yards per per, uh, carry. He's at 3.7 right now. Only has 231 rushing yards on the season. But then if you look at his receiving stats, like he's, you know, at 9.2 per reception, he had that 51 yarder against the Chicago Bears. He's about on pace there. So, like, I don't know. Maybe it was just a weird game. And, you know, the team has not been great about being able to give him a bunch of opportunities, right? Up yep. until the last, what, two weeks. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm willing to give him some benefit of the doubt there. I'm, I'm not pushing the big red button on Aaron Jones just yet to be clear. I'm very much in that same camp. And like I said, it it hurts me to even (laughs) ask the question and he deserves every benefit of the opportunity. I think Aaron's going to have a phenomenal rest of the season. I don't have any major concern over it. Um, Just a couple of the plays this week. I'm like, for the first time, I'm like, I'm not sure he gets caught on that in the past. And again, maybe he's still dealing with a little bit of the hamstring too, and not quite as explosive, but yeah, I I think it could be because I don't think you could trust him on, uh, if he's a hundred percent or not, he said he was a hundred percent like five weeks in a row when he wasn't playing. So like, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. He's probably dealing with something and he doesn't want people to know about it, And that's totally fine. Like, I think that's a hundred percent true. All right. Some fun ones for you. Uh, a, is it Henry Pearson time? Is it, is, are we, is it, is it time to see a little bit more Henry? Like you said, Josiah DeGuara is phased out of the offense. Is it Henry Pearson time? Or are you still good with what DeGuara is bringing to the table? I think you could probably use, uh, roster spot in a smarter way than Henry Pearson at this point. And I was a guy who, if you remember back oh, to I remember. Uh, that's, why I'm asking you. that's why I'm yeah. asking you. Cause I remember. 
cut down day. I thought, you know, it was interesting. He, he would be more of a special teams play than anything else. Um, if, if there were some injuries at tight end, I would say, yeah, because then DeGuara would, if there was a situation where DeGuara wouldn't be able to play the fullback spot, which is basically what he's playing at this point, right? Like yep. he is a fullback functionally in this offense. Um, I would say, yeah, but right now, I don't think so. What do you make of the addition of a cornerback today? Oh, I didn't see that they added a corner. I so I've been in like constant Ooh. things for the last like uh, five hours prior to this. So I've not. I saw that they released Innis Gaines. I had that uh, on my my to do list here, but I didn't see that they added a corner. They picked up Caillou Kelly off of waivers. Uh, he was a fifth round, fifth round pick. pick out of Stanford. I was literally. I'm yeah. so. These, these are the things that piss me off. Sorry to interrupt you. These are the things that piss me off. I saw that Caillou Blue Kelly got cut on Saturday by the Seahawks, and I literally was this close to tweeting out, I bet Goody's going to pick him up on Monday. I was so close to tweeting it out, Justice, I swear on my life. And I'm like, I don't know what, like if I just didn't get to it or whatever the hell happened, but I didn't get to it. And I am now very pissed off because, of course, they go out and, and claim him off of waivers. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, so they added him off of waivers. Uh, he got picked up by the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks this past week ended up letting him go. Um, yep. He played five games, something like 40 snaps of special teams uh, for the Seahawks. I just think it's interesting. I mean, we're at three cornerbacks added in the past few weeks between, you know, Ballantyne being called up, uh, the kid from Carolina being poached off of the practice squad. Sure, I, yeah. haven't, I haven't even learned his name yet because I don't. I haven't seen him on the field that much outside of a couple special teams reps. And now, Kelly, I mean, what do you do with that when you have the Jair injury, right? So that makes four, four corners that you should have. Keyshawn. That's five. And then Eric Stokes is most probably going to come off of IR after week 12. So, like, we had in competition at the cornerback room for the bottom end of the churn. Like, I don't know what the heck we're doing with that one. I want to see a defensive lineman. Can we not find a defensive lineman? I want I want more defensive line depth, interior defensive line depth. Pardon, pardon me, Matt. <laughs> uh, they have a bunch of edge rushers, Justice, that are yeah. also it, it, defensive linemen. Brent Cox being a healthy scratch. Yep. <laughs> Uh, um, here's what, I don't think Goody cares. I think if Goody saw a player that he saw that was probably high on his draft board, um, and that just became available via waivers, I think he's just like, I don't like, screw it. I'll, I'll cut in his gains and I'll bring up Kyle Blue Kelly. And my guess is gains will probably end up back on the practice. Well, maybe he won't, but probably does. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably more of what this is. Maybe it's a bad indicator of what's to come for Jair that he could, you know, that this is like a week to week thing and they just don't That's know my worry that if and when oh, he's going to be back. Um, and again, like if, if he's, if he is out for a while and maybe Stokes is still three, four weeks away, like you've got Nixon, you've got Valentine. I don't think those guys are coming out of your rotation, but I don't think they're like married to Corey Valentine being the guy on the outside. And if they feel like Rochelle or blue Kelly can come in and compete with him for some playing time, and just get a look at them. I don't think they're going to be super upset by that. So that's more of what I would make of it. But um, yeah, I, I'm so mad because I literally am like, when I saw the release, I'm like, Goody's going to be interested, I bet. Uh, but yeah, fifth round pick. I actually liked him coming out. He, who was the initial team he was on that he got cut by, right? Like pretty much right out of uh, Ravens. The Ravens. That's right. Yeah. They cut him. I, I don't know if it was right out of camp or like after week one or something. It was at, it was at the deadline. Deadline. Okay. Yeah. Seahawks claim him. He's been on the roster ever since. And then, he got released this week and waived. And 
Um, had a had a hunch. Now I'm mad, Justice. But no, I like the pickup. I like I said, I liked him coming out. Obviously, it has not worked out for other teams that he's been on so far. But I'll be I'm I'm intrigued if nothing else. I actually thought we were going to get a little Jack Jones action because he's maybe a guy so good. Very very talented. Obviously, has like off field stuff. I think. I believe Jack Jones is the guy who did the armed robbery at a Panda Express. I uh, need to look that up. He started his career at uh, USC, and he was a like all Pac-12 cornerback at USC before. You know, obviously he ran into some trouble, um, and then he ended up going junior college, and then Arizona State. He had you know a phenomenal start to his career with the New England Patriots, who have now let him go. So. He's a cornerback in charged with breaking into a Panda Express at 3 a.m. in the morning on June 8th. I knew it. 2018. Ducks fans don't forget USC. Uh, <laughs> Mistakes. Arrests. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, still could because, uh, I mean, he would be on waivers actually, right? He would be on waivers tomorrow. Yeah. So, yeah, I, because I, they announced the Packers announced the gains release before anything else. So I was like, yeah. oh, crap. Who who's on the waiver wire? Because that's generally how it works with Goot. I mean, I know you see the transaction logs and everything too. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, he releases a guy today, and then it's like, okay, he's picking someone up tomorrow. Like who who's on the waiver wire? So Jack Jones was the big name. I thought they had an opportunity. Apparently, uh, the Rams also put in a claim for Kelly. And the Rams, you know, if you look at the draft order right now, the Packers are picking six. The Rams are picking seven. So that. One game was the difference of, you know, Kelly, Kelly uh, being picked up by Green Bay or Los Angeles. So if Caillou Blue Kelly becomes a lockdown corner in the NFL, just remember that loss to the Steelers paid massive, massive dividends because otherwise yes. the Rams would have got him instead of Green Bay. The butterfly um, effect. What's that? The butterfly effect. Exactly. You never know. Um, all right. A couple of last ones. Clay and Campman, uh, Packers Hall of Famers. Thoughts on the the, the new inductees? Yeah, awesome stuff, man. I mean, I was in high school for when, you know, Clay Matthews was drafted and all that stuff. Um, I played, you know, the edge rush position. Love to see him compete. Like, he brought us that Super Bowl with a fumble, right? Um, Campman was one of my favorite players when I was a kid, right? Like him and KGB. That was really fun to watch. So, yeah, thumbs up. Hope they have a great day. Yeah, absolutely. Both very well-deserving and uh, definitely – should be uh, should be in the Packers Hall of Fame. So excited to see them get in. And last but not least, I think uh, Packers moved up to what sixth in the draft order this uh, this week with the loss. Sixth in the draft order. ESPN Analytics has them as a one percent chance to get the first overall pick. They have their average draft position at around ninth overall. Um, it's going to be interesting. I don't think quarterback is in their cards at this point but we'll see what happens with the quarterback market it's gonna how much college football do you watch andy do you waste your time on saturdays watching it no uh so most people with families doing this also say no they're like man i gotta have a day i need a day (laughs) no very much so uh also at least this year the the college football games are a little bit more tolerable where they're not like seven hours long anymore um they've sped up the game a little bit uh, which has been nice, but um, no, as, as soon as the season's done, I immediately transition basically into all of the college tape um, as much as I can dive into and really excited like with me being more full-time sports stuff now should have more time than ever to do it. I might, of course I like, 
as soon as the season starts, I'm like, I move full time. I'm like, this is awesome. I'm going to be able to jump into draft and college stuff like immediately. And you get into the season, you're like, yeah, there's no way. I, if, if I want to do what I'm supposed to be doing, covering the Packers, if I start digging into like hours of Drake May film, I'm like, it'll, it'll, it'll sap me of my life, Justice. I'm not doing the work work on the draft until someone sends me all 22. So I have to probably wait until after the college football season, regular season uh, is over anyway. But here's kind of the scenario at the quarterback position, right? So you get May, you get Williams. Those guys are probably going to go one and two in some sort of way, form, or fashion. I don't know if it's going to be May at one or Williams at one. We'll see. McCarthy's a, a small guy. The kid out of Michigan, Penix, is a guy who doesn't have a great arm. Daniels is another very small guy uh, for LSU. Um, Nix is a guy I think might, and, you know, obviously the Ducks guy is going to say this, but he might be able to be the third quarterback drafted off the board. And then Shadur Sanders is the other big name who's probably going to go back to school because his dad is the head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes. Did his dad also say he's coming back? (laughs) Yeah, he's said it multiple times. So I think we're talking about maybe a team panic drafting Bo Nix early. Because if you look at the 2025 draft, and I know everyone says the opposite every year where they're like, oh, you always say next year's draft is the better quarterback draft. And it's like, that's not true. Kenny Pickett was QB1 in a very recent draft, and no one knew who Malik Willis was unless you were like really paying attention to college football like my nerdy ass was, right? (laughs) Next year's draft, there's not a quarterback. There is not a quarterback that you can point to right now. So, like, someone might look at that landscape and just be like, we got to move up for Bo Nix this year because if we don't get a quarterback this year, we're not going to get a quarterback in the next two seasons. So, hopefully Green Bay is not that team. I don't think they're going to be with the way Love played recently, um, yeah. especially since he's under contract. Um, it's just going to be an interesting thing to track because someone's going to freak out. Also, if uh, you haven't been paying attention to college football, something that might be interesting in the NFC North. Do you know where Dan Campbell went to school? Uh, off the top of my head, no. Texas A&M, which just performed the highest There's buyout. There's no way, right? There's no way. They're about to pay $100 million to just switch coaching staffs before ever paying that next guy. I don't know what type of swing Texas A&M is going to take, but it's not going to be the hiring the UTSA head coach. There's no way those oil billionaires have an, ha, are going to swallow their pride and say, yeah, we paid $100 million for UTSA has, UTSA's head coach around all these Texas boosters. and Oklahoma. What's Cliff Kingsbury up to? Cliff Kingsbury was on a list that I saw yesterday, which I thought was very funny. That's also there's no way. That's why, like the the big names that people keep pointing to are like Mike Elko, who's at Duke right now, and he was the defensive coordinator for Jimbo for a couple of years. But you take away that 2020 COVID season, which we all know was super funky for college football teams. He's like he was like a 500 defensive coordinator under Jimbo at AM. You're paying a hundred million, a hundred million dollars. To do that, I don't know. They're going to take some crazy swing, I think. And I don't know who it's going to be, but... Joe Barry. It's, USC has a coordinator opening, and he's been there before. That's the one. Uh, what about Bill Belichick at AM? Bill Belichick, uh, Texas A&M head coach? I don't know. Apparently, Jim Harbaugh? Kraft aren't, uh, aren't on like 
super great terms right now. Him and Belichick. So. Bill Belichick, Packers defensive coordinator next year. That's what you, I think. You know, we're I think we're closer to Tepper doing just insane stuff, burning money on fire. Because if anyone's got it, it's Dave Tepper. Yeah, that could be very well too. Justice, you are absolutely amazing. I can't wait to see what we're going to nerd out about next week already. I'm already counting down the days. Uh, tell everyone where they can find all of your amazing work. AcmePackingCompany.com. You can subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. I can't believe you've given up on Henry Pearson already. Very disappointed in you. Uh, make sure to follow him at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can find me at Andy Herman NFL. You can find the podcast at Packaday Podcast. For Justice Mosqueda, I'm Andy Herman. Until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.